You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark King. Uh, you can follow some uh, other work over at grizzlybearblues.com, where I'm the associate editor as well. Uh, some columns and features and game stories over there. Uh, you can see some of the writing and stuff I do there as well. As always, we are going to have a great Monday show for you. Monday mailbag coming up in the second segment of the show. And as always, this this team does not disappoint for things that... Uh, Things that they should um, be doing or not doing, they always give us something to talk about, and I'll put it that way. They uh, Over the weekend, Chandler Parsons, that was announced that he would be returning to the team. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll do Monday Mailbag in the second segment. Chris Wallace had a press conference last Friday. We'll play some of those clips from that presser and kind of talk about that as well. Oh, and by the way, the Grizzlies won over the weekend. Got a much-needed win over the Pelicans. They have won three of their last four games, so uh, look out. The Grizzlies may be on the come-up. Uh, we'll talk about all that and more on on this episode of the Lockdown Grizzlies show. Uh, first of all, let's start with Chandler Parsons. I know it was announced on Saturday that he would be returning to the team after the All-Star break. Um, you know, this, this obviously, we look at these things and we continue to say this team is a disaster, but I, I don't think this is on the team. Um, you look at the Pelican situation, um, that, that situation, they wanted to sit Anthony Davis. Uh, the NBA threatened to find them $100,000 per game. Um, so... I'm positive that Chandler Parsons called the league, you know, or texted someone is like, Hey, um, this guy wants to play and y'all are making him play that guy. So yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like I don't think that's anything to, to that big a deal. I know obviously everybody's, everybody are, is talking about it. Some people are tweeting me that they, that it's going to be a showcase for Chandler Parsons. Ain't nobody showcasing Chandler Parsons. First of all, like the, the, everybody knows what Chandler Parsons is. It's been the same thing for the last two years. Like everybody knows what Chandler Parsons is at this point. It's nothing, nothing that is going to happen in the next three weeks by him if he plays. Nothing, nothing happening there is going to su- surprise anybody and suddenly be like, oh, I definitely want to trade for Chandler Parsons now. That's definitely something I want. So uh, this isn't like a showcase Chandler Parsons thing. This is a very much a NBA NBA level mandated they play Chandler Parsons thing. This is the, I don't think the Grizzlies have any control over whether they activate Chandler Parsons or not. Now whether they whether they put him on the floor is a different situation. They don't have to play him. They don't have to put him on the floor and give him minutes. The the the, the NBA is just uh really realistically they just want him on the roster. Like he just got to be active on the roster like so so JB doesn't have to play him, although I'd say just play him a, the first game and let him miss the next three weeks with knee soreness. I, I don't know. At this point, that's probably like that's probably a safe bet <laughs> if if you let him play one or two games and just kind of get it back out of the way where he's just injured again. So because his knees can't handle the NBA, can't even handle the G League, he didn't even want to do that. So um, so you know, like I, they don't have to play him. I, I obviously, you know, I, in, in in all seriousness, I don't want them to play Chandler Parsons. Um, it, it's something that I would, at this point, you this is the point in the season where you're you're not making the playoffs. The the, the goals of the for this season have definitely changed, um, and so I think that um, you definitely want to give those minutes to Ivan Rapp. You want to give those minutes to the new guys. You want to give those minutes to Jonas Valanciunas and, um, and DeLon Wright and all these guys that may or may not be playing together for the future. 
you want to give those guys the minutes and really see what you have in Ivan Rab and, and what you have in Jonas Valanciunas and, and see how these guys mesh together because these guys had player options in the summer. Um, you, you might, you know, you might want to sign these people long-term with DeLon Wright. He's a restricted free agent. So like those are the type of things that you want to make decisions on. And so Chandler Parsons just impedes that. All he does is putting him on the court. It just impedes that. Now you're talking about JB Bickerstaff, a guy who loves Sheldon Mack. So there's no telling uh, what will happen when Chandler Parsons is on the roster. JB definitely likes Chandler. Uh, they they've had a, they have a good relationship from their time in Houston together. So like there is a solid chance we could see Chandler Parsons on the floor. Again, I go back to the fact that it may not matter either way if he plays or not because they'll probably play a game or two and go out with knee soreness at this point because that is just what happens. Um, is what has happened over the past couple of years. So again. I, I don't know if this is a huge deal because uh, I don't know if he'll play. And if he does play, I don't think he'll play for very long. So um, let's not give it any more time than it really deserves. Uh, Grizzlies won over the weekend. They have won now three of the last four games. Uh, and the, the some of the new players played. They assigned Tyler Dorsey to the hustle, which is where I think he'll probably spend a lot of time this year with the hustle. I don't know if you'll see uh, Tyler Dorsey getting a lot of minutes um, with the Grizzlies, uh, with, the, with the main squad. Um, the, uh, DeLon Wright played CJ miles played, but, uh, Jonas Valanciunas did not play. He had some issues with, uh, customs paperwork coming in from Toronto, uh, an issue that is not something that, uh, miles or DeLon Wright has, uh, or had at the time. So, uh, Julian, or excuse me, uh, Jonas, Jonas Valanciunas will most likely be available for Tuesday's game for the Grizzlies. Uh, I would be surprised if he is, is not playing there. Uh, but the Grizzlies, again, they won a game that was, uh, a, a, definitely a winnable game. They're now 23 and 34 on the season. Um, they're, they're inching ever closer to that ninth spot. And, um, uh, in the, in the draft and, and kind of having their goals of conveying this pick. And so that's definitely something they're, they're, they're going to want to, um, try to do. My, Mike Conley was, uh, was definitely good, but the, the star of the night was Joe Kim Noah, uh, 30 minutes, eight for 14 from the field, 14 rebounds, 19 points. Uh, just, I mean, it surprised me. I'll put it that way. <laughs> it definitely surprised me. Um, DeLon Wright, 23 minutes. He was um, plus 15, seven points, a uh, couple assists. Not not great. I mean, DeLon Wright is, again, he's an upside kid that you're, you know, you're going to want to, he's a project. I mean, he is a long-term future project for this team. That's exactly what he is. Um, so I don't know if you're going to see an impact right away, but hopefully he gets uh, in the groove of things. CJ Miles, 20 points, six for nine from the field, one from three from three, uh, 13 points, a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists. Uh, Javon Carter played 15 minutes. Uh, he had zero points. He wasn't very, uh, he wasn't very good. Uh, Bruno Caboclo played seven minutes. That's kind of weird. I mean, that was Bruno's last game uh, to be able to play for the Grizzlies. His 10-day contract runs out Tuesday, so they'll have to make a decision on whether they want to sign him for the long term. Uh, they do have the money and flexibility now uh, to be able to sign him long term if they want to do that. I think that's something they should do. Uh, I think something that he deserves. I said that on this show even before his second 10-day. I think he he deserves a long look. I mean, it is not a it's different than a. Um, uh, than they, than than what they did last year with Marshawn Brooks with the China you know with, with him coming over China I mean like Marshawn Brooks was already like he was already what was going to happen but Bruno is twenty three he's still got a long way to go so um, I think that's something you definitely uh, definitely look for for Bruno 
Uh, Mike Conley was uh, was good, 11 points, nine assists, six rebounds. Uh, Justin Holiday was actually pretty good, uh, not great, uh, but decent. Jaron Jackson uh, was was de- was decent. Not not uh, some of the games that we've seen him in the past since since Marcus Hall's been out, um, but uh, but was good. Uh, and Avery Bradley started with Justin Holiday, Jaron, Ivan, and Mike. Avery Bradley was not good. Uh, three for ten, um, eight points. It just you know. Not good at all. Out of all the people on the on the roster, if you if you whatever you take away from plus minus, he was one of the only uh, minus people on the roster, and he was the worst one. So uh, again, I've said this before on the last show. Avery Bradley is not a good basketball player anymore. And Avery Bradley of uh, four years ago is probably different Avery Bradley than what you're getting now. Um, so that's just you know I have no interest in playing Avery Bradley 25 minutes a night because like, we we kind of know what Avery Bradley is. Um, I have much more interest in playing uh, Bruno Caboclo 25 minutes a night than seven. So um, I feel like we're probably going to see some issues and that's probably going to be some gripes and probably me and other people that, uh, especially with JB, I think you're probably going to see some gripes in the fact that the the people that probably deserve the most minutes are not going to get the most minutes. Although Ivan Rabb had another 27 minutes. Jaron Jackson had 27 minutes. Um, but there's no reason for Jaron and Ivan, or this is there's no reason for Jaron to have 27 minutes. Jaron should have 35 minutes a night in the story. Um, and, and I think that's a shame to be able to, to not play him that many minutes. Um, I love Joe Kim Noah. Don't get me wrong. Let me rephrase that. I like the idea of Joe Kim Noah. I don't like Joe, don't like Joe Kim Noah as the player. I never have. And I said it before. I'm not sure what he brings to this table other than energy. And I don't know if you can clearly classify energy on, uh, on the court as something that is a tangible thing that you want to have a roster spot taken up for. Uh, his best game as a Grizzly, 19 points, 14 rebounds. But again, do you really do you really want to give Joe Kim Noah 30 minutes a night? I mean, is that really what we want to do? Is I mean, I, I know I'm I'm, pin, I'm nitpicking because they they do one, and that's really all that matters. But is that really what you want to do? Is give Joe Kim Noah uh, 30 minutes a night? Hopefully, that's not a trend. Uh, I really hope that was a one game thing where he was just playing really really well. Um, but hopefully, that's that's not a trend for the Grizzlies because that's not something you need. You know, you don't need Joe Kim Noah playing 30 minutes and, and taking minutes away from Jaron and away from Ivan. And it's away from these young guys uh, like a DeLon Wright where you really, again, this is a time for the Grizzlies to see what they have. And I think you can do that. You can see what you have in those players and also try to win games at the same time because you're talking about a, you know, a four to five game difference at the end of the year. Uh, of that, That's how many more wins you need uh, to really get back in the conversation of that of conveying the pick to the Boston Celtics. So hopefully that's not a trend. We'll see as it goes as move forward going on to the next game, the next play on Tuesday night, and then have a back-to-back on Wednesday away at the Bulls. So uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that more, uh, the preview of the game on tomorrow's show for tomorrow's for tomorrow night's game. Coming up in the second segment, uh, we're going to do the Monday mailbag. We have a couple questions for that. And in the third segment of the show, we will go through um, Chris Wallace's presser and uh, talk about some things that he said, some things that did not make sense at all. And we'll talk about that in the last segment of the show. But coming up next, we're going to have Monday mailbag. Welcome back to the show. As always, this is our segment we do every single week on Monday. We talk about the questions that you send in. If you're not if you're not sending in questions every week, make sure you send them in through Twitter. I uh, you put out a tweet either uh, Sunday. Uh, this time I did it on Monday morning because I recorded this podcast a little later in the day. Uh, but normally I record every night. So normally I send out that tweet on Sunday. You can apply to it. You can DM me. You can hit me up on uh, email at lockedongrizz at gmail.com. If you're a Facebook person, you can uh, do a Facebook message, facebook.com slash lockedongrizzlies uh, over there as well. So there are multiple ways to get me 
those questions. So no excuses on not getting the questions in every single week. So let's start with Monday Mailbag's question from Curtis Carver at Old Man Carter on Twitter. Why is everyone convinced that conveying the pick this year is a must? What's wrong with picking four to eight and adding another young piece? I think it I think, quote, it's a weak draft this year, end quote, is a big assumption and not worth missing on someone to pair with JJJ now. Um, so here's what I'll say about the conveying the pick idea. Um, as I, I've said on this show uh, all year, that that should be the goal. Um, because, and, and, and let's leave out that it's, a, it's not that good of a draft this year. Let's just not even talk about that part. Let's just talk about the idea and the protections. So this year, it's protected top eight. Uh, so we've talked about getting to that nine spot. We mean the nine spot from the bottom, not from the top. Uh, so, uh, next year it is protected top six. So that means if you finish sixth or worse, you get to keep the pick and then seven, eighth and whatever else Boston gets that pick. And then the next year after that, it is unprotected completely. So you could be the worst team in the league and still lose your pick that year. So that's really why I think it is the most essential to get rid of the piece now. Well, you're not missing out on anything. Well, um, it'd be great to, to, to add another pick this year at four to eight. And I, I, again, in any other year, I'd be saying, let's do that. But this is a kind of peculiar situation where uh, you have Boston and, and I think you, you get rid of that, that um, burden as quick as you can, um, not only to continue to build for the future and not have to worry about that, but also you're going to be bad next year. Like, probably worse than you are now. Um, and then the year after that, you might even be worse. I mean, you're still going to be bad. So do, would you rather give Boston the pick now when it's a top, when it, you know, it's ninth or 10th or 11th pick in the lottery right now? Or would you rather give it to them next year where it could be a seventh pick or an eighth pick? Uh, or would you rather give it another year after that? Where could you could be the, it could be the number one pick in the draft in 2021 and you could give it to Boston. That's that is the concern there, because you, I don't. Sh- I'm not sure you're getting better anytime soon. Uh, again, you're going into a, a rebuild, which the Grizzlies should be trying to get assets and trying to get long-term draft assets and young players for the future. So if you're looking at this from yes, right now you could get something right now that's uh, a decent person or a decent player at four through eight. I, I, I agree with you. That probably could happen because the draft is so crazy. You just don't ever know what you're going to get with the draft. Obviously, they screwed it up at two before. So, like, they can screw it up. I'm just saying would you that, that, could, that could happen. But what could also happen next year is that you could finish outside the top six and it could be seven and you give it to them then. And then, again, instead of giving to them a pick 11 or 10 or nine, whatever this year, they could have it at seven next year. Or even worse, if you finish top six next year and you get to keep it again, then the year after that, if you finish top six again, well, they get it. I mean, I, I understand that, uh, you know, having maybe a top pick in this draft and maybe, maybe next year's draft would be good. But what happens in two years from now if you have the number one pick and there's someone that is a franchise changer, again, like Jaron Jackson Jr., and you're able to put that person with Jaron Jackson Jr.? That's that 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 that's the main concern I think for me as well as everybody else. That's the main concern is, you know, there's a potential there for you to be able to uh, pick a you know pick in a top top spot in a couple of years, and if you still haven't given that away, then Boston just gets to uh, to get that asset and they've done nothing for it. And so, if you think this year is bad, if you think losing this year 
and not having a draft asset as bad this year, imagine what would it be if you're really bad at two years and you've lost the entire year and you have no draft pick and it could have been the top one, two, three, or four. I mean, you have nothing. So imagine that. So that 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 is essentially why you want to convey that pick now um, instead of instead of waiting until the future. And I, and that's even without it being, no matter what happens in the draft, no matter what class, you know, how, how good of the class of draft is. Now you, you pair that with the actual idea that this, it's not a great draft this year. The class is weaker than others. Um, you pair those two things together and then, yeah, you want to, you want to have something where you can really get rid of. Um, next question is from TJ from Twitter at TJ from Twitter on Twitter, now that the Grizzlies have more depth at wings, should the Grizzlies release Washburn from his two-way contract and add another big? Um, you know, I'm, I'm confident to say that Julian Washburn is not good at basketball. Um, he, he has not shown anything at all, and he's had, he has had minutes in the past few games to be able to show uh, you what he can do, uh, but he is not good at basketball. So I am confident they can release Julian Washburn from his two-way contract and and be fine. Um, if you're just looking at his past, uh, let's say his past four games where he had he's had, he's had minutes, two points, seven points, one point, zero points. He had two points in 37 minutes. 37 minutes, two points. That's it, and six rebounds. I mean, uh, just he's just not good, and, and that's fine. Like I'm usually an advocate of giving the the young players time to again, like we just talked about in the first segment, to see what you got. I'm a big advocate of that, even if they're even if they're bad. But you got to know. I'd rather know right now than I'm than down the road. Like I would have rather known that Ivan Rab is a decent basketball player two years ago or a year ago than now. I mean, it's better late than never, sure. But I'd, I'm an advocate of giving those players time. Um, and minutes, especially if you're going to be bad, like the Grizzlies are going to be like, what, what could possibly be worse? You're going to, you're going to lose. Well, you're already losing. So no harm there. Again, Julian's had time. He's had the minutes. He's had a big, he's had big minutes, especially when the Grizzlies have been down. Um, and, and he's not able to been able to do anything at all. So, um, I think you're fine. If you want to release him, I think it's fine. I think you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, continue to have him on the roster. Now, whether you want to have it for another big or not, that's, I think that's completely up to them. I don't know if, um, it really matters. Uh, I think your bigs are probably going to be, or they should be Jonas, um, Jay, Jaron and Ivan. And it's unfortunately going to be Joe Kim after their bench. Those should be your bigs, your your full rotation of bigs. I mean, any, in any combination of those, those guys. Um, and that's probably it. So I don't know if it really matters. If you have to add another big, I think they have, um, uh, they have the depth there. Now, if you get into a situation where you got injuries or something like that, maybe, uh, but again, I think that I'm always a proponent of the two-way contract to be someone that has upside. Uh, I mean, I, like Yuta. Yuta has potential upside that you see some things there that he's done good things. Um, I'm, I am an advocate of the two-way contract being someone who has upside no matter what position that is. Um, and you just get them in here and see what they can do. Uh, and that's what the two-way is for. The two-way is for um, having those guys that, could, that have potential. Um, you know, I think that's, I think that's the best use of that contract. Um, yeah, you can, you can, uh, you know, argue that the best use of it is for injury concerns on a, on a probably a playoff team. That's probably a better use of it on a playoff contender, uh, having those people in there in case you have injuries to be able to bring in right away. 
Um, but the Grizzlies aren't that. And so I think for younger teams, especially like the Grizzlies who are not as good, uh, having those guys there who have high potential are probably your best use of that contract. Um, and again, I would release Julian Washburn and probably look for something else uh, out there for that two-way. Last question comes from DB from Twitter at OkieTech623. Do you think the Grizzlies are angling for a reload as they have done in the past instead of a full rebuild like they'd likely need? Um, yes. It, it It very much feels like a... The trades and everything are very, very much feels like a kick in the can down the road type of deal, uh, where the Grizzlies have not been, um, they did not go out and do the things that I thought they were going to do. Now I said this uh, last week, and um, if you, it, you those deals after you know what their goals are, and Chris Wallace said so much in the presser on Friday that their goals are to convey this pick this year. That is that's their goal. Their goal is not to get better for the long term. Well, I mean. I think, you know, whether they didn't say that, but I mean, they said their goal this year is to convey the pick. And so with that, with that in mind, and you look at the deals, well, that makes sense. They, they, you know, they, they did deals that pretty much made them better short term than long term. You don't know what's going to happen with these players in the off season. You don't, you know, you don't, you don't get, you didn't get any player under 26. You didn't get really get any draft assets. So yeah, I mean these to me these deals feel like more of a short term reload, a very much like Chris Wallace, um, Chris Wallace deals, and they don't feel like they are uh, a rebuild like they probably should have. If you're looking for a rebuild like they probably should have, you're looking for something that you're taking on seriously bad money, and the way you take on the bad money, in addition, you get the draft pick with it. Like that's that is a, that's a reward for taking on bad money in the NBA. You take on bad money like the Brandon Knight rumor. You take on bad money and you get a draft pick with it. That's what happens. Like that is what happens. Um, but the Grizzlies didn't do that. They took on someone in Jonas Valanciunas, who's a good player, um, a good player in his own right at 26. And DeLon Wright has some high upside there, um, potentially to be a, a decent player. Uh, CJ miles is just Sally filler. He's past his prime and he's not very good anymore. Um, so like that is the, that is the way they went. Um, uh, but I also think like we said in the, on the Friday shows, they, they, they backed themselves into a corner with Marcus all, like Mark didn't want to be here anymore after after they the way they screwed it up. So they had to trade Mike or excuse me, they had to trade Mark, and that is just what they were able to get. Uh, unfortunately, coupled that with you know their goals of you know getting getting better in the short term and, and conveying the pick, then yeah, uh, I think they probably kicked the can down the road to the summer where they could probably try again with Mike and try again with maybe even Jonas if he opts in. You could probably use him as a trade piece if you'd like to. Um, so yeah, the, the, they probably pushed this to the summer where they probably should have done it, uh, right now, but we'll, you know, I will, uh, I will save some judgment there until they figure out what they do with Mike in the summer. If they're able to do something, if they're able to flip him for a draft pick this year or whatever. So, uh, we'll see, but yes, it, it very much feels like a reload and not a rebuild like they've done in the past. Uh, I appreciate the questions all uh, this week on Monday mailbag. Again, make sure you're getting your questions in every single week for Monday mailbag. We do it in the second segment of the show every single week. Uh, you can send those to me through Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever way you want to do it. Just get them to me every single week. Coming up next, we'll, we'll talk about this Chris Walsh presser from last Friday. Welcome back to the show again. I uh, appreciate everybody sending those questions in, in for Monday Mailbag. Chris Wallace had a press conference on Friday. It was the first presser he's had since, I don't know, it's been a long time. and uh, First time he's talked in a while. So we're going to listen to some of those questions and answers he talked about. Uh, we'll listen to some audio and then we'll 
I'll kind of give you my thoughts on each uh, individual answer. We're going to cut it up in pieces so it's a little easier to digest. Uh, but this is Chris Wallace on not getting a pickback for uh, the Temple, uh, for uh, Jamichael Green and Garrett Temple on that trade. The moves you made with uh, um, Jamichael and, and Garrett, and you don't get a pickback. But, uh, you, you well, the get... best coach would be back to Jamichael Garrett, uh, Jarvis. Our best course of action was to do, we, do the deal we did with the Clippers. One, it creates an $8 million trade assignment that we can use over the next year. Uh, we, we also create an open roster spot with a one-for-two deal, and it helps the standard of the luxury tax for this season as well. And we get back a player in Avery Bradley, uh, who has in the past been one of the top defensive guards in the NBA, uh, still has tread on his tires young. We get a chance to see what he can do, and you know, does he fit in going forward? So we liked all the variety of assets that came from that deal versus anything else that was out there. Once the Toronto deal went through, was there talks with Mark before, prior? How did he find So that's uh, <laughs> that's Chris Wallace giving you what uh, what they got from it for uh, from the Clippers: uh, luxury tax uh, room and a trade exception. Uh, that's what you got for the best two assets on your team, besides Mark and Mike. Well, Jamaica Green and Gary Temple. What you got was um, a trade exception of $8 million they can use up until the next year, and they were able to get under the luxury tax. Oh, and Avery Bradley, who in the years past was a defender, was a good defender in past years. Yeah, that is true, technically. Four years ago, he was a good player. Uh, and it's not so much anymore. Uh, I, mean, I just don't understand. Like, I understand trying to sell, <laughs> trying to sell it. But I mean, I, I just I thought it would be better a better sell than I thought it would be a better sell than that for Chris. And uh, he still um, he still able wasn't able to, to 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 even do that. So that was that was pretty surprising that they still weren't able to. Um, sell that terrible, terrible trade for Green and Temple into something other than cap space and um, and a trade exception. So, um, but here's Wallace on trades that uh, on the trades this that that happened at the trade don trade deadline. Excuse me, were to set up trades in the summer. Well, I mean, I can't I can't tell you what the team will look like next year, Jarvis. I mean, there's so many uh, places we got to go first. I mean, the rest of the season. You know, are we in the draft? Are we not in the draft? You know, what is free agency and in trading? What are the brands? Do we do anything with this trade exception? So I can't say that right now, but I'm very excited about our future, and I think our fans should be as well. I mean, let's start with Jaron Jackson. We've got one of the elite young players in the league. Uh, his future is you know, so immense, and uh, that's a great place to start. And right now we've got Mike Conley going forward, you know, who's an elite point guard in the NBA. I can see what Ivan Rabs has been doing. Dylan Brooks will be out the rest of this year, but uh, he showed NBA potential in the past. We're excited about him with Kyle Anderson. And then also, what are we going to be able to do with these new guys and what other opportunities arise in the offseason? So uh, uh, I like where we're headed with this team. You oversaw a rebuild with this franchise. Again, that is uh, Chris Wallace on if any of the trades set up for the future and your your GM of the Grizzlies said he doesn't know what the team is going to look like in the future. So, uh, super great foresight there. And, you know, just Chris Wallace, I mean, he mentioned Jaron Jackson's name like a billion times in that press conference, like a lot. And Kyle Anderson, like he, he wanted to make sure that we all knew that he drafted Chris Wallace or he drafted, I, or 
Jaron Jackson Jr. And then he brought Kyle Anderson here. Make it very clear to everybody here that this is what I did and would not let us forget it. Um, it, it just it just doesn't make sense. Um, we'll do a few more. This is uh, Chris Wallace on, on not getting assets to build around Jaron for the future. What's the plan to build around assets around his age well, you're not just going to need young players, Peter. I mean, you have to have some older guys, too, if you're going to win in the NBA. Look at the construction of any championship team. It's not around young players. You need a variety of age groups. I mean, like, take example, uh, Kyle Anderson, I call a young vet. He's in his mid-20s, but, he, you know, he's no longer a fledgling NBA player. So I think it's not just so much the, you know, you need young guys around him. It's the type of players around him. You need, in today's NBA, you're going to have to have shooters around him. You know, anybody who can be a focal point of an offense, right? We're going to have to get more athletic as a team as well. Um, and so I, I think that will all take place over the year. As the years go by, there will be opportunities to, to build that type of roster. I look at a roster always like a pitching rotation in baseball. Uh, you don't just have all right-handers. You don't have all fastballers. You have a knuckleballer, a left-hander, short reliever, long reliever. That's what you want to do. Have a variety of players on the team. Again, but keep an eye on the shooting. The three-point shooting in particular has become... Uh, a need in the NBA is no longer a luxury. Uh, but the big thing is that Jaron's here, you know, in a Grizzly uniform. It's very difficult to find Jaron Jacksons. Uh, the rest of the NBA is running around trying to get players like that, set themselves up for the future. We have one right here now that is just blossoming in front of our eyes. Again, won't let us forget about Jaron Jackson or Kyle Anderson. That was, um, that, that one, that answer was even oppressive, even by Chris Wall standards. Uh, he, let us know that you need veterans on a championship contending team, which the Grizzlies are not. Uh, made sure that you knew that you need a variety of different players and shooters on the Grizzlies team, which they didn't get. Yeah, the Grizzlies do need shooters, and three points necessity is a need. So you ended up adding uh, Jonas Valanciunas, not really a three-point shooter. C.J. Miles doesn't shoot the ball well anymore. Uh, Avery Bradley doesn't shoot the ball at all well, has never had really shot the ball well. And DeLon Wright, not a great, uh, not a great three-point shooter as well. Yeah, that is you know, that is correct. Yes, the Grizzlies do need three-point shooting. That is that is very true. Um, but you didn't add any. And yes, they need vets for a title-contending team, which you're not. And then somehow makes a comparison to a completely different sport that doesn't even make sense and doesn't even matter. And oh, by the way, made sure to remind us that he brought Kyle Anderson here and he brought Jaron Jackson Jr. here. Uh, let's do, I think we have time for one more answer. Um, again, this is him uh, on Wallace actually saying that uh, they want to convey the pick this year uh, for this Grizzlies team. Went into the decision-making to have that be one of the top priorities instead of say, you know, blow it all up. Well, this first of all, let's take a look at, at this year's NBA draft, although it's early. Uh, this draft does not appear to be, you know, a great draft top to bottom. So if there's a year to step out of the first round of the draft, this is probably the year, number one. Number two, for your future moves, it's much more beneficial to not have a pick encumbered. You know, to, to have a clean slate of first rounders at your disposal. Maybe you go up to draft and use them, but they're also, as we've seen here recently, very valuable as trading chips. So that would be in our best interest to get this pick conveyed this year. Again, the Grizzlies GM on why it's good to convey the pick this year. And if there's any year to step out of the draft, it's now. You're a Grizzlies GM, NBA, NBA GM, that it's okay to get out of the draft because uh, he traded that pick away for Jeff Green. 
or to get rid of Jeff Green. So, you know, if there's ever a year to get out of it, it's right now. So, <laughs> you know, just, just a lot of, lot of craziness, uh, on that Walt, Chris Wallace presser. Um, you know, the one thing I, he didn't say that I thought he would is that they had the chance to make the playoffs. I mean, he openly said that, that their goal is to convey the pick this year, which is was not something I thought they would say at all. Um, he was asked again on, again, the, what he, what, what he likes about the, uh, uh, green trade. He, he says, uh, iterates that the best thing they got at that trade was luxury tax room and, and, uh, a trade exception doesn't even mention Avery Bradley until, um, until someone asked him specifically about Bradley. He's like, Oh yeah. And Avery Bradley. So yeah, that, that trade for Durant, Temple and green away was just, it's just to make room for the trade for Gasol. So you literally gave away your two best assets just to make room for the players that are coming in on the Gasol trade because they were getting in more money than they were sending out. So you had to take in less money uh, from the Clippers so that you could get back under the luxury jacks. Like, like what? I, I don't understand how that even happens. Um, so they weren't looking for second round picks for Jamaica Green and Garrett Temple. They weren't looking for stuff like that. They were looking for luxury tax room. And that is what he says. Your GM says they got from the from the uh, from that trade is they got luxury they got cap space uh, they got to make sure they're not in the luxury tax and they got a trade exception that's what they got from that trade so you know whatever you think about that is uh, you form your own opinions I guess uh, but it, to me it's it's not not a great look for the Grizzlies uh, to be able to um, really trade away some of their best assets uh, this year at the trade deadline expired contracts who are also good players uh, for just cap, you know, luxury tax space and trade exception is, is not a great look. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Again, make sure you go and subscribe in iTunes. So you're getting automatic downloads every single day. Uh, make sure you find us on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you don't know where to go, just simply go to lockdowngrizzlies.com.